Welcome to CMMS Radio, a podcast and general resource for all things CMMS, computerized maintenance management software, from selection to implementation to help you make better choices and have a successful CMMS journey. We'll bring in experts along the way to help us learn more about CMMS, facilities operations, and much more. If you need help with the CMMS project, send a message at cmmsradio.com using the What's On Your Mind link. Suggest a topic, share your CMMS story, or ask questions. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Today, we are joined by Paul Lachance, an industrial manufacturing technology visionary and SaaS software company consultant. He recently joined Software Equity Group as chief industry strategist, technologist, and evangelist to discuss CMMS, maintenance culture, and much more. Paul, welcome to CMMS Radio. Greg, thank you very much. It's an honor to be here today. I really appreciate it. We've been trying to get this set up for quite a long time, and there's some kind of history to my own personal interest in you know, having you on CMMS Radio. So first, thanks for joining us. We want to discuss your background, of course, get your insights and the journey thus far. And I'd love to hear how this all started for you, including the Bigfoot CMMS journey, which is now Asset Essentials EAM and part of the Brightly Software Siemens Solution family. And I'd just like to have you tell us that story um, briefly or not. <laughs> well, first off, again, it's an honor to be here today and um, preparing for this uh, talk we had. I, it brought me down memory lane as I started to think back, where did this journey begin? And, you know, I, I'll keep it as brief as I can, which is sometimes challenging for me. But you know, for me, it went back. I've always had a computer. My parents uh, who are awesome, ordered me a Commodore 64 before you could even get them. And since those way back days in the uh, early 80s, I've been tinkering with computers. And um, I built up, before I built up the Bigfoot CMMS Smartware Group company, I had a previous company, which was not focused on CMMS. It was focused on food service, hospitality organizations, employee scheduling, inventory control. And one day I was talking to a customer. This was, you know, many, many years ago. And they were talking about, they had some broken equipment in their kitchen and they couldn't meet. It was just one of these kind of situations. And I'm thinking broken equipment in the condition in the kitchen, we ought to create a module in our, in our software to help them keep track of their equipment. And I built up this product. It was, and it's, this name's been used over and over since. It was called Maintenance Manager. It was in DOS. And, and I don't know how many of your viewers remember what DOS even was, but I created a module that I didn't even know that the acronym CMMS existed. I did not even know that there was this genre of software. You fast forward several years, I built up that company. It was acquired primarily for the food service technology. And um, the, the people that bought us, they had no interest in, in keep going in this maintenance-related world. And I, and I was telling them, this is a great little subpart of our business we should consider growing. Now, they're a food service technology-oriented company, uh, and they had no desire. We basically lost all of these customers. We just said, hey, sorry, you know, go find some other provider. You know, 
I don't know how many there was. It wasn't a lot of maybe 50, 60 organizations of which many of them were manufacturing oriented. Long story short there, that organization that acquired us was a victim of the dot-com bubble burst. And we all slowly but surely lost our jobs. It was a painful, awful process. We'd have to have a whole nother show to go through that. But when we were looking, I, I remember talking to my partner uh, from SmartWork Group uh, who was involved in the first company. I'm like, Dave, what are we going to do? You know, none of us had jobs. It was a really tough time. Uh, back then, programmers were working just for health benefits. Like you, there was not a lot of work in the, in the early 2000s. And I'm thinking, well, when we had all those customers, I wonder if any of them have a new home yet. And so what we did was we recreated a new product. This one was in Windows, client server, but we based it off the database of the original maintenance manager. And we sent letters to all these customers said, have you found a home yet? And enough of them hadn't and said, no, we would like to keep going. That was the creation of SmartWare Group in our, in our what would become Bigfoot CMMS. It was originally called Smart Maintenance. So this is in the 2000s. And this is an era that you were also in the space, uh, firmly moving towards from DOS into Windows. Um, and we started building it. Uh, but we focused on the manufacturing industrial sector at that point. I kind of stayed away from the food service hospitality world. I just felt the even keeled nature, um, better working hours. You're not talking to restaurants in the middle of the night back then, you know, your support, we were doing everything, Yeah. but we slowly, but surely built up, uh, what was called smart maintenance, um, in that era. So this would have been in the, in the two thousands. So um, back then, we couldn't get the copyrights, trademarks on the word smart maintenance. It was uh, too many products that use that name. Mm -hmm. So we went out and uh, renamed the product to Bigfoot CMMS, which at the time, I remember uh, one of my largest customers, I won't name names, uh, when I sent him the email in advance of the name Bigfoot CMMS, I'm like, hey, we're about to release this. We're about to make this change. Just wanted to give you a heads up. My phone rang. I mean, I don't think I don't think I had hit my finger had come off the send button and my phone rang and he was like, what? You're going to call it Bigfoot CMMS? <laughs> uh, he thought it was a joke. But, you know, we picked a name that would stand out from the crowd. We wanted something that would be memorable. Back then, you had to be able to spell your URL. Bigfoot CMMS was, you know, anybody could spell that, which a lot of these names, and there were so many companies named, you know, maintenance this, maintenance that, super maintenance, and that's fine. A lot of these companies grew up to be great companies, but we wanted to stand, up from, uh, stand out from the crowd. And, you know, so we just kept moving forward. That was a real good turning point for our organization. We obviously had a great team. Uh, my partner, Dave Peelstrom, my partner, Guang Yang, a, a big group of people, not a big group. It was, a, you know, I call it a family run business, although we, we felt like family. Uh, but everybody was chipping in, all involved in this mission to grow this thing with a real focus on customer support. I mean, I don't think I would ever be described to be the best engineer and programmer. Matter of fact, I was demoted from any of those roles when we finally grew to the point where we could bring in. That's where Guang came in. And we had true CTO, software engineering expertise. Um, I used to write all the code in the day, uh, but we, we, you know, we had to augment that. And we recognized where 
for me, it was more about having the right people in the right roles um, and, and me just supporting everybody to help grow the organization. Um, but, you know, we, we took off from there. I, I, I can keep going with the story unless you want to jump in and ask a question for. So and, and I was getting ready to. So first of all, personally, I loved the name Bigfoot and my kind of entry into the CMMS space coming from both building maintenance and management. And then I was in e-commerce, went through the dot bomb, if you will, you know, the nice 30 minutes we're shutting down people. Wow. That's great. We're fully vested. Thank you. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so I understand all that, but I remember when getting into the CMMS space and even for what we had figuring out it's a CMMS. And then I remember the first time I encountered Bigfoot, I, I loved the name because it was impactful and it made sense. So rather than like a, a he, he, ha, ha, it was more like, I wonder why they call it that. It makes an impact. So I love that part of the story. And the other thing I wanted to ask you about was when it comes to the team. So one of my questions today was going to be about differentiating the startup environment like that to the big enterprise kind of scaling environments. Cause we know there's more to the story, right? So I'm kind of fast forwarding and you can fill in the gaps, but there's something to be said that's really hard to describe with words about how that smaller, tight knit team and everybody kind of filling in, helping with the lift, whether it's heavy or not, it moves differently. And it's really fun. It's really exciting. It's challenging. I mean, it's challenging as hell, but for some reason, you're just like all about it. Like, whatever, bring me a problem. We'll knock that bad boy down. So I wanted to kind of have you differentiate those two kind of things, but you'll probably have to carry on with the story and tell us what happened next with Bigfoot, right? Well, I mean, you know, those were the glory days. Uh, there was many a time we were up all night, whether it was writing code and testing or diagnosing server issues mm. or trying to get some sort of a release ready or whatever it may be. And everybody chipped in and did it. And that entrepreneurial spirit, and, and I love the phrase intrapreneur, uh, startup, smaller organizations. And I was a startup for almost 17 years before we were acquired, you know. Um, but the people that work with you, they're all entrepreneurs in those phases. They're, but they're intrapreneurs. They work within an existing organization. Mm -hmm. um, and and, and I'll, I'll come back to where the story goes, but I never lost that feeling of, even when you're working for a large organization like Brightly Siemens, and, and I, I still have a great relationship with that organization, I still always, with my teams and the people I worked with, we wanted to have that tight-knit, we're in it together, challenges, uh, opportunities that you have to jump on. You want to get everybody motivated. And again, whether you're uh, a part of a public company like Siemens or you're a small startup, if you can have those elements and keep it fun. Now, do I advocate working through the night on a project? Sometimes, no matter what size organization you are, you have to do it. Those days are far fewer than the early days when you're in that startup phase. But entrepreneurial spirit, regardless of the size of the organization, is essential to the growth and the success. And I like to find entrepreneurs that were on my team and I don't know, maybe they just gravitate to me or I gravitate to them or I can motivate them to think that way. But it's a big part. If you're a startup organization or a smaller organization trying to grow, everybody should have that spirit. And if they don't, you, as a leader, I would look at yourself and think, well, why are they not wanting to do that? 
um, and then and, and try to figure out how can you better foster that environment? Because once you do, you just get that great collective energy of people that can help grow something really cool. Interesting that you 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 brought that up because another one of my questions, and I'm not looking at it right now because I just want to stay focused. Uh, it was like kind of the the culture and the mindset, maintenance mindset, these types of things when it comes to the clients that utilize CMMS platforms when they go out to say, for example, decide to have a project that they need one, then they go to look for one. And this might be an EAM as well, but this is CMMS radio. So we're focused on CMMS. And how does that same kind of mindset play out for them? I think that's a critical component to their process of selecting CMMS platforms and then deploying them and getting true adoption and use. Do you find that to be kind of similar that they need to have more entrepreneurs that are really digging in and understanding their process before they make their selections and deployments? Yeah, 100%. You're finding an interesting intersection. I like the direction you're going with this, that the sort of formality and rigors and structures that you have to have in a manufacturing or industrial environment for safety reasons, for predictability, for possibly regulatory compliance. I mean, you can't just be loosey-goosey and wing it like you know, an early uh, startup organization may be it's more less mature. But if you can have the right framework, and, and again, as a manufacturing organization, that's how are you implementing, uh, say, digital transformation to optimize uh, you know, digital transformation is all about just finding business challenges or opportunities and finding technology to solve them. Maybe the challenge is we don't, we don't have our uptime. It's not where we want. Right? We have too much downtime and it's hurting us. Well, you know, you can look at that creatively. At the end of the day, you're going to find, and you may you need to look at your processes and what you're doing. At the end of the day, you're going to implement in a, um, in a, in a good, smart, well-thought-out way CMMS is a great example. And you want to have the right vendor. You want to have the right training plan for your people. You want to evangelize the project to all the people that are going to use it. You want to have the right um, workflow and, and, and notifications and all the sort of blocking and tackling of the software. So it comes back to structure. But the, the entrepreneurial spirit of digging into where are our challenges, where are our opportunities, how could we think about things differently not getting back into the trap that we so often hear, well, we've always done it that way. I mean, digital transformation is looking at your old problems and challenges and opportunities and thinking about them in a new and creative way and looking at this amazing technology that can help solve those problems. And that's true across all industries, but especially true in manufacturing and industrial. There are endless opportunities. And for a lot of people, they might say, well, it sounds like the same thing and it's just rinse and repeat. And I would say to them, sort of, if you look at, say, for example, applying something like theory of constraints or you want to constantly exploit bottlenecks within the manufacturing environment, that's all going to tie back at some point for sure to maintenance and reliability best practices mm -hmm. and differentiating maintenance from repairs because even I make the mistake that maintenance is about wrench turning. And I've recently learned it's not, uh, it's actually the opposite. That's oh, well, what yeah. Avoiding really the wrench turning in the first place, if you can. <laughs> yeah. And, and then what you're talking about with not just the, the 
entrepreneurial viewpoint and kind of spirited approach to how we're doing our day to day. But we, we, we want to be mindful that CMMS is a tool. So this is why I always bring up that it's going to fall back to the culture and the process. So I tell people, if you're looking for a CMMS platform, know your process now, absent that CMMS and find the one that actually fits that instead of trying to adjust your team, you want to meet them where they are and how they already work. If you're already kind of dialed in and you just want to do that digitization and the opportunity, the business opportunities that you uncover, they'll be similar, but they'll be different, nuanced, and very impactful. So I, I mean, I love the way you're describing it. So when, when it comes to the next part of the journey, um, I want to let you tell it, but you know, Bigfoot, uh, Smartware Group, uh, it was Bigfoot particularly that moved over through the acquisition or was it Smartware Group? Yeah, the company was called Smartware Group. We really only had the one primary platform, Bigfoot right. CMMS. Um, we were early to go to, to the cloud. We called it web back then. Uh, yep. We had a first generation cloud, early generation cloud back when there was very few on the market. Um, we quickly realized, or I'll never forget our chief architect, Guang, when we, we finally got our first generation web version on the market, he's like, that's great. We need to write uh, a new one because this is not going to scale. And, you know, I'm, I'm of course seeing the finances and, and, and everything else, <laughs> but we did. And we wrote, we, we wrote a, a second generation version still very early. Um, but it, we built that one to be scalable uh, enterprise quality. So we could do take multiple locations, whether it be us, North America, around the world, languages, even getting into currencies, much better workflow hooks, uh, you know, early generation sort of internet of things connection connecting. So we, we built it early to be a real solid platform and like a lot of, and I'm sure a lot of the CMMS, uh, leaders that might be watching this, your your CMOS radio today, you know, you're getting a lot of inquiries from investors and we did too back then. Um, you start to get these inquiries. Uh, it, it's a whole nother part of your job that you have to be thinking about. Uh, but, you know, we, we were interested in, in possibly exiting the organization. And back then we were introduced to the software equity group, which as a spoiler, I now consult and work with, which this is a full circle story that comes back to that. Mm-hmm. Software equity group, specifically Alan Sensori, the principal there, we were too small. And he's like, you're getting those emails. They're trying to take advantage of you when you're small and, and immature about the, the process, the journey. You know, you keep doing what you're doing. He coached us to give us some ideas about how we could do more. Because uh, he sees a lot of software companies, and we did it, and we finally graduated to the point where we um, went to market. And a, a good investment banker, m- m- mergers and acquisitions consultant, will really help position your company to show your strengths. They're not trying to hide any weaknesses because they'll be discovered in that process. And really, and, and to go to the right types of buyers that would be interested in your in your technology. What happened was we were approached and we went all the way to the altar marrying one organization and it didn't work out. It was a really painful event for our organization. 
We had spent a lot of time, a lot of money. We thought this was done. It was not really through a fault of our own, although we had challenges that raised, um, we had challenges that raised concerns with the possible buyer fell apart. Alan at SEG said, don't despair. Um, these things happen. You need to just, you know, learn from this time. What was the challenges that, that they had discovered that you could do better? And we went to work. And then not even four or five months later, Alan called me one day and he said, hey, I've got a guy I want you to meet. Um, you need to jump on a plane and fly to North Carolina tomorrow. You know, and I'm frugal by nature. Uh, <laughs> and we spent a lot of money on that first time around. I'm like, do you realize what that's? He goes, Paul, just trust me. Just go. And I flew to North Carolina. And the next thing I know, I'm having dinner with Kent Hudson. Now, I don't know if most of your uh, viewers know who Kent Hudson is, but he's a legend in the space. Kent Hudson was the founder of School Dude, which, you know, I'm sure a lot of my School Dude friends are going to see this. I, I just never, that name, I just, I'm, how is this guy going to go anywhere with a name like that? Well, he took over most of the school districts in this country, and then he moved to government and wanted to go into the manufacturing space, but didn't have an asset-centric solution. Right. I spent four or five hours in this gorgeous oak-paneled private room in a restaurant drinking some of the best wine I've ever had in my life. I'm eating lobster. I'm from Maine. I'm eating lobster in North Carolina with Kent. Well, he's telling me story after story about it. And he's like, I think if we get together on this, you can bring your asset-centric manufacturing industrial-focused product bring it into the Dude Solutions family, and we can do some amazing things. Mm -hmm. And I left that meeting, called Alan on the way home and said, Alan, I have found our new home. Let's get this done. We never even went back to market. We made it come together. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't even remember the date. No, I think it was 2017 um, is when we closed on that. It's been about six years, so that must be about right. I, I, my, my brain's a little foggy on that. But we went through the process and we were acquired by Dude Solutions. And um, we merged the whole company into Dude Solutions. Of course, we were largely a virtual company to begin with. So we just kind of extended that. Right. And, you know, we brought our family into their family. And they're a much bigger company. They were growing. They were already supported by um, Warburg Pincus, which is a, a large, reputable private equity firm. Right. And we took the, uh, what was called Bigfoot. It was renamed to Asset Essentials right away. Um, and they also, we also made a decision to take the product, not just for the industrial manufacturing sector, but to also to uh, make it fit for the, uh, main, uh, for the government and um, education sectors as well. So that was a large development, product management technology lift because we had a, a GIS capabilities and a lot of reporting and, and we did it and we got that product and now it is became Dude Solutions uh, flagship CMMS EAM solution across all those sectors. Um, I stayed with the organization. They're a wonderful company. All the CEOs, Kent, you know, he eventually retired. Um, Ed came in, Ed Rossich, he's an amazing person. And then later Kevin Kemmerer, who's still there today. Um, and, and all the leadership team, all the way down to the people throughout the organization, we found an awesome company to be a part of. 
and they really care about their customers. I mean, it is they're they have excellent go to market strategy, great salespeople. But at the end of the day, it comes to how do you support and serve your customers, get them implemented correctly, and then be there when they need the help and when they need to make improvements. That right there is what I believe is the most important thing. And I think everyone out here in the space would agree, but a lot of organizations get knocked off that path because that's a commitment that you have to make it part of your DNA as you're scaling, which can be challenging for different aspects of the organization. If we're going all the way to the top and then full lateral, some people see that as, you know, oh, that's really expensive to do. And I've always said, yeah, it is. But you have customers that are relying on you. And what if you didn't have those customers? Especially in these days where it's about reoccurring revenue and you need to avoid churn. Uh, It's the right thing to do. I mean, you know, this is a lesson that most CMMS and I think all software companies can learn. You know, I would have people come over to our product and they had, you name it, one of these other very good products, probably, you know, we we all know their names and they hate it. It didn't work for them. Usually it wasn't implemented correctly. It wasn't supported correctly. And when you're looking to cut costs and times are tough in a software company, your support and services is not the place to do it. It's just not. And that was a big part of, uh, it is a big part of Brightly's success is how well they treat their customers. Just a great organization start to finish. Um, and then ultimately, when they renamed to Brightly Software, um, that was, I think, a welcome change. And, and you know, it started to come, they, by then they were now owned by uh, Clear Lake Capital, a, a, another private equity firm. But eventually, the story the story goes that they were acquired by Siemens. So right. it was quite the by then I had already left the organization in a formal capacity. I still have all my friends there. I still write for them. I still uh, go and speak at their uh, user conference and get to uh, see friends like Corey Dickens who we both know and a lot right. of other wonderful people at that organization. I, I, I couldn't have found a better place. For my, we call it my Bigfoot baby, and watch it grow up to Asset Essentials, and now to be a part of a a global Siemens platform uh, is just just you know makes me very very excited to know that this that journey. I, I I love a lot of things about this story, the journey, and what we've been talking about because to if you want to make an exit, and you can make an exit in a way that creates a future for what you created. That's one of the most exciting things for a founder, a co-founder, or even people that are original members of a founding team, so to speak, like employee one through 10. It's like, wow, this can go become something more and it can help even more people. And what they did through this process, like obviously dude solutions first, and you've got the different PE. So there were some changes there. And then now, of course, you got Siemens and it's called Brightly. But what they're doing is paying attention to what they have, why it matters, what's good about it, and they're cultivating that. And there's always a risk when the acquisition takes place and the transition is happening and you're consulting, you're wondering what the future is, that that goes off the rails because companies got to do what they've got to do to run their business. And this new thing 
sometimes they just grabbed it because it was shiny. But in this case, they nurtured it. And the the thing that I see is in the industry, and this is this isn't even on my list, but I see a lot of changes happening right now. And maybe we're gonna say in the last three to five years, maybe a touch more, where the growth through acquisition, you can kind of start to see a little bit quicker now what's going to actually happen with the product. So if a product, you know, it runs the risk of being sunset, all these types of things, they don't tell the customers. So I love that part of your story where that's not what happened. They did the opposite. They knew what they had. They really, they doubled down on that. They doubled, doubled down on that. I kind of messed that up, but the, the point is, these are the stories that I think matter. And then for people that are listening, you know, whether they're potential users of that system, current users of that system, they used to use that system. They want to hear about this stuff too, because it's a little bit of an insider's view as to how did this come to be? You know, so it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Now, a couple of questions I want to get to, and I want to be really mindful of your time. So, and I, and I say that people are like, you don't have to say that on the podcast. I can do whatever I want. Uh, so, we talked a little bit about your experiences with the culture and the maintenance mindset for when folks are, are going to seek out a platform. What I wanted to ask is in your view, why are there so many CMMS solutions out there in the marketplace? I'm hearing numbers over the last year, year and a half, upwards of 400, maybe 400 plus solutions. What could you say about that? Well, there's always been a lot, relatively speaking, um, but now there's a saturation like I've never seen before, and 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 it's become quite commoditized. I mean, I mean, you go back to Net Facilities, my early generation CMMS uh, as well. I mean, the core capabilities of the products really haven't changed a whole lot. It's everything on the peripheral that's changed: integration to the digital physical world and IoT type stuff. Um, there's also, you know, there's a lot of dollar signs. I mean, there's been some really phenomenal exits. Look at what Fix did and uh, how Brightly did um, with with their acquisition by Siemens. Long after I was out, I will say, everybody always asks me. Um, so there's been a lot of attention-grabbing headlines. Is that sustainable to keep going like that? Well, I don't know. I mean, if you look back to MRO, MRO Software, Maximo, you know, bought by IBM, Mm-hmm. Data stream bought by Infor in a previous generation. We go through these waves and these products come and go. Right now, that seems like this sort of democratized platform of the cloud and the ability to create quality software pretty darn easy now with the development platforms and to be able to connect to anything and everyone has become so much easier it's the barriers of entry have, have really become, it's just a lot easier to create, not to mention a virtual oriented organization. Right. At the end of the day, the companies that will survive, the ones that will do well are going to remember those important tenets of treat your customers. Number one. Well, I would say treat your people in the organization. Number one, and your customers are 1.1 um, is, is right there because it just, those are so important. And think about the, the long play versus the short, quick wins. Um, you know, there were unsavory competitors, in my opinion, uh, that I've competed against through the years. And 
they're not around. You know, they just they just don't seem to make it. Uh, will there be a lot of uh, CMMS companies moving forward? Yeah, I think that's going to keep going, and I think it drives down the cost per user. becomes a little bit more difficult to be, create a sustainable model. You have to have lots and lots of customers, and eventually we'll run out of that uh, total addressable market. But you know, for the most part, I think it's a natural cycle that happens. Uh, whatever the next platform, the cloud is it right now. And everybody's like, wow, what else could it be? And, and, and you know, there, there are all kinds of future frontiers of what this technology will look from. I, my first one was in DOS. Then we went to Windows and went to cloud. The cloud's never going away, the interconnected nature of everything. But, you know, I'm really excited about hands-free mobile, which is really the concept of assisted, augmented, and virtual reality. And a number of the, of the other, uh, what we call exponential technologies, the in industry 4.0 technologies, I think smart companies that think about that will um, do better than the ones that take their eye off the ball and they're going to be the next fix or brightly yeah. uh, or whatever the companies before us came. Well, absolutely. And there, there, I mean, there's a bunch of them. Uh, one of the, one of the projects that I kind of have working that I'm working on sort of is figuring out an appropriate categorization for a lot of these different solutions out there, because I think I don't know if I'm right, but I think that there are levels to this when it comes to the solutions you should have, and there are plenty of options. Customers have a tough time kind of sifting through that, and mainly, I think all the providers out there exist in these high numbers because there's there's different processes that organizations use. Not everybody works exactly the same, almost like CMMS platforms are mostly the same, but if you take the 80-20 rule, you say, yeah, they all do about the same thing, but it's that nuanced or what's happening in these other areas within that is and defines that work process. That's why I think there are so many systems, and I try to kind of make sense to, uh, of all of that for, for everybody, and I don't know if I really help with that, but at least we we're talking about things that people are thinking about. So that's really important. So important. It's the special sauce. I mean, and, and it can come in a lot of ways. It's technology, innovative ways. It's quality of user interface and user experience. It's overlaying excellent training and implementation and data migration. And uh, it's the ability to interface with the, the real world, the physical world. It's it, the ability to integrate with all the other business processes that are going on. I mean, Industry 4.0 is all about, uh, and digital transformation is all comes back to the data that is so available in our industrial environments now. CMMS is just one of many important parts of a manufacturer's uh, operating environment. As, we, as, as, as the world gets smaller and the data becomes more plentiful, the integration of all that will be essential. You can't do good AI if you don't have it. So... I think yeah that twenty percent of and there's I think the industry's always had that twenty percent of a differentiation that you can do from your competitors. There's just a lot of competitors right now. Yeah, yeah, and and that that's the thing. So I'm always trying to kind of live in two or three different worlds when it comes to you know CMMS radio. I want to talk to founders and co-founders and people that can talk about it from that side of it. And I'm not against any vendors, although I love calling people out on, you know, not taking care of their clients or holding data hostage and all that kind of stuff. I love calling that out because I don't think it's right. And I want the clients to get 
better insights and guidance on, you know, what can they do? How can they, oh, wow, I went and did an internet search and uh, everybody on the first three pages of my, you know, we'll say Google results, they're all the number one CMMS platform. How's that possible? Well, that's, you got to be able to look through that. And that's really hard even for, for guys like us, because it's all the same stuff. So, and even the number five guy on that list is probably a good system if it matches what you need. You don't have to have, there is no best system. It's a system that you pick, that you put the investment in to get a quality implementation, make sure you got buy-in from your team, make sure they really start to use it. That's the best system. It doesn't have to be the one with the fanciest features and and, you know, it, it doesn't, it's just, it, is it making a difference? Is it an ROI? Is there a return on investment for your organization? That's right. Is it, is it, is it solving the gap or gaps? And, uh, I'm trying to remember who said this and I'm, I can't think of it right now. So sorry. The best CMMS platform that you can get is the one your people will use. Exactly. Because then now you've got something. It can actually make the impacts that you that you that you wanted it to. I even tell people, hey, if you're not getting good support or this or that from the company that's providing it for whatever reason, who knows? Grab a consultant. It'll be worth it. Reassess before you make changes because, like you said earlier on, sometimes clients don't leverage or implement or deploy, if you will, the platform in the exact right way, and they don't know until they get down the road. And you know, don't don't pull the plug on a, <laughs> you know hundreds of thousands of dollars investment. If you can go back and reassess before you do that. Um, let me see if I missed any other questions here. I think we, we, we got everything, but I got a couple of fun ones. If you got a few more minutes, Paul. Yeah. All right. Number one, favorite music. Oh, well, you're talking to a person who listens to a lot of music. I play a lot of music. I'm a musician. Excellent. Um, Matter of fact, there's one of the great things about uh, selling my company is I was able to pursue a number of sort of bucket list items. I wrote a children's book. I became a yoga instructor and my life partner, my girlfriend and I just released an album. Um, she's a singer songwriter and has been for many, many years. Her name is Sarah Cox. And um Maybe we can get the name of the album in the liner notes. That give me a little boost. But we worked on all through the pandemic. Uh, we worked on a music together. So great way to pass the time. I listen to everything. I play the mandolin. I mean, I, everything from the Grateful Dead jam band world to I love metal. I love R&B. I love jazz. I love classical. If it's good music, it's my music. That works. That's a, I love that answer. I love that answer. So next one is... Favorite sport or hobby, and it doesn't have to be if it's a sport, one that you play. It might be one that you like to observe and be a part of. Well, there's a lot. I think if I'm going to go to my favorite, it's going to be um, consider myself a water person. So I surf. I love surfing. There's great surfing in Maine. People don't realize that. Um, And I also spend a lot of time sailing. So I um, the combination, if I can be on the water. So those are some of my favorite sport oriented pastime, but there's nothing better than sitting with my boys and my friends and watching a Bruins game, um, and enjoying, I played a lot of hockey and coached hockey for my boys while they were growing up. So I, I love watching be it football or hockey or 
been watching the Rugby World Cup, which is amazing. So it's about it's about being with friends and enjoying it um, as much as enjoying the sport. But if I, I'm gonna if I'm gonna pick one thing, it's probably gonna be surfing. All right, I like it. I like it. Hey, I'm I'm down here in Southern California. I haven't surfed a lick in my life. I I, I just haven't. It's never been too able late. To. Well. Yeah, that's, 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 (laughs) I hear that all the time, but we got some pretty cool spots here. Um, and I got a bunch of friends that are surfers, so I think that's awesome. And then the last question, when I do the fun questions is, could you share with us your perspective on achieving or how you maintain a work-life balance? Mm. That is an excellent question. And I I can draw on my yoga teaching experience because in yoga, we often say when we're on our mat is to come to the moment. Um, if you, if you get too stressed out about what's way off in the distance or you let the problems of the past, you know, fester in your brain, it, it rarely helps with productivity. So I always like to just bring things to the moment. So sometimes the moment means you're working a lot, especially for startup organizations, or even if you're in a large organization like Brightly Siemens, you got a big release coming and everybody's, you're bringing pizzas in. We're going to work late tonight. We got to hit this deadline, Mm -hmm. but you always have to find time to just relax. And that can be in a five minute, just sit there and breathe quietly and come to the moment. It's amazing what that will do to reduce stress. You do have to find the time to to find creative outlets and pastimes. Not easy when you're uh, a founder of a growing uh, software company. And I, you know, in my current role as a consultant with Software Equity Group, I'm talking to those people all the time. And, and, And I love those days. I did. But it's not sustainable in the long time. You can get up, go for a walk for 10 minutes. You can do a quick yoga session, even in your office. You can go surf if the waves are there. Get out for an hour and then come back and you'd be amazed how much more productive you can be. So I I think maybe this comes with wisdom, but people are like, I don't have time to go to yoga or I don't have time to go throw a ball to my dog or my to my kid. That 15 minutes you take for yourself is going to buy you hours of productive time. And so I think that maybe comes with um, wisdom with age. But I think at the end of the day, if you can just keep coming to the moment when you're stressed and, and you're having a hard time seeing anything but that stressful work in front of you, things are probably not as bad. So that's just one of the mantras that I like to follow. Yeah, and I, I ask the question because – with each person, you're going to get something a little bit different. And, you know, whoever's listening, that might resonate with them and it might be a similarity or they might go, Oh, I'm going to check that out. So I like to throw those fun questions in at the end. And, you know, it's really about having these conversations to help people. I really appreciate you sharing at least what we could today in the way of your journey story and some of the things that you're passionate about, Paul. And I, I really, want to make sure, you know, anybody out there that wants to get in touch with Paul, if you did need help or just wanted to start a conversation, you can find him on LinkedIn, uh, super busy. That's why I keep repeating, Hey, thanks for your time. I want to be mindful of that. Um, but any, any, uh, any closing words of advice or a one liner that might be your favorite that we'll close out with? No, I mean, I'm just living the dream. I, you know, my current role with software equity group, I get to work with 
founders in small organizations that are going through that same journey. It's, it's like watching your kids grow up, you know, cause you just can relive life through your kids and how they did it. And I'm, I'm sort of living the dream, working with those organizations that are taking those next steps. Um, I'm just very excited about what's going on in the CMMS space. I think it's just a wonderful industry to be in this digital transformation world, this intersection of the digital physical world, AI, ML. I mean, any of you out there who are in that CMMS space, regardless of the number of competitors, it's still an absolutely awesome um, industry to be in and, and, and keep your foot on the gas because things are changing fast. But um yeah, like you said, if you have any, uh, f- find me on LinkedIn. You can message me on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to try to make time, especially for you founding CEO uh, startup companies in this space or even adjacent industrial technology spaces. Please reach out. Awesome. Well, we thank you for joining us today, Paul, and hopefully we'll do it again someday. Awesome, Greg. Thank you very, very much. It's my pleasure. Did you find this episode helpful? Please send us some feedback, suggest a topic, or ask a question. Reach out to CMMS Radio if you need a co-pilot on your CMMS project. Visit CMMSRadio.com and use the What's On Your Mind link. Thank you for tuning in to CMMS Radio, your resource for all things CMMS from selection to implementation to help you make better choices, learn from industry experts, and have a successful CMMS journey.